Well, hey, thanks for joining us. And uh, these Tuesdays have been a really good time for us to take some of the thoughts from the message on Sunday and then bring it into real life. And so we're honored that you take the time to watch this. And uh, thanks for joining me. I'm, I'm honored that okay. you guys would be here as be well. And uh, why don't I have you just do a quick introduction of yourselves and uh, what your role here is at Calvary. And uh, we'll start with the gentleman to my right. Oh, yes. Cool. Uh, pastor Matt, high school pastor, also apparently expert on Jonah. And that's about it for oh, now. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been here for five years and have just been enjoying and loving it. And yeah, it's been fun. Awesome. So. Very cool. Very cool. I'm Chris McCormick. I'm uh, one of the associate pastors here and uh, do a lot of discipleship type stuff. And yeah, yeah, just have fun all and, the time. And uh, Pastor Chris, you spoke this last weekend. Yeah, Great yeah. word oh, and uh, really excited to talk about some things. But we've been doing this little kind of bit at the beginning, just kind of the, you know, have you seen this kind of thing, a little, little story. And uh, the preacher comes up with the story. So <laughs> you, you got a little kind of fun little news article for us. You know, I, I read this and then I, I put it aside. I thought, this is not right. This is just <laughs> not good stuff. And then I read it again. I thought, no, this really, I can see this happening. So, so there was this, this fella that, uh, this happened in New York State okay. somewhere. Okay. And this, <laughs> this, this fella back in the fall, so this was pre-COVID, all this stuff when, you know, anyway, uh, he was pre-COVID and he got, uh, arrested for um, uh, stealing a car or something, huh. some kind of vehicle theft thing. And so he ended up pleading guilty to it. And so this guy decided that he was about to go for his sentencing hearing and he didn't want to go to jail. So this guy thought, I know how to get out of this. I'm going to fake my own death <laughs> so that you know, there won't be anybody to sentence. Now, yes. I don't think he thought farther than that. You know, I don't think that went any farther. So, he, well, how do you do that? Well, I guess he thought, I've got to have a death certificate that says I'm dead. So, mm. so this fellow apparently um, forged his own death certificate, and then somehow, I still don't know, the article didn't talk about this. I don't know how he convinced his own attorney that he had died and got that certificate to the attorney. The attorney turns it into the prosecutors. Oh man. And so the prosecutor's looking at this, probably thinking, well, that's convenient, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, he looks, this prosecutor looks at it and he notices that some of the fonts are different on the thing. And it's it kind of like, what's going on here? And then he looked really close and he looked, this word registry was misspelled <laughs> on the certificate. And so he calls the, the office that does that stuff up and said, yeah, what's going on with this guy? And they said, wow, we don't have any record of this guy. <laughs> and so uh, they ended up now arresting him again because he forged a government document. Oh my so goodness. now he's facing more charges <laughs> on top of what he's already facing. And this is what the prosecutor said. I thought this was so good. Submitting fake documents to prosecutors is always a bad idea. I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. And he said, while, while he would have been caught regardless, failure to use spell check made this alleged fraud especially glaring. Gets him every time. <laughs> thought, spell man, check gets him every yeah, time. Every oh, time. That's funny. It'd be ironic if he got the death penalty for that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably spelled <Did> wrong. <laughs> and they spelled yeah. <laughs> Well, on that note, yeah. um, but it is interesting, sometimes the links we'll go to, um, to, to do things or to avoid things, to avoid which things. I think comes in um, to, to some of what you, you talked about this, yeah. this weekend 
Um, yeah. If you weren't with us Sunday, Pastor Chris' message was about how to get unstuck in our how-to series, how to get unstuck by reaching across relational boundaries. And you did a really good idea, <laughs> good job of, of helping us understand the idea of the Bible has like these different relational circles. Real quick, yeah, yeah. you, you kind of use like an archery target, you yeah. know, that kind of yeah. a, a bullseye kind of feeling. Bullseye. Different different circles there. Run us through those yeah, again yeah. real quick. So like we talked about that, just to give a visual, that, that outer circle. So like envision three, three circles on top of each other there. That outer circle we called others, and that's kind of people that, that are just kind of disconnected or or even people that are connected to the wrong things, which mm -hmm. is really, really a lot of us were there. And we talked about how that all of us have been in that circle at some point. And so that's that outer circle the Bible talks about. Then there's this next circle in. So you have others, then you have interested. And so I call it interested because these are the people that are searching. They're searching for something. You know, maybe they've seen something in somebody's life that's kind of like sparked mm -hmm curiosity, like, I saw you go through that, but I don't know how you did that. I couldn't do that, or I'm going through a hard time, and I don't know how I'm going to make it through, but you're, you've done it. How do you do it? You know, that, that interest. So you've got that others category or circle. You've got that interested circle, and then you've got that inner circle that, that I think the Bible calls family, and, and that's the people that have found their home with the Lord, that they know what it means to have a relationship with the Lord, to be connected with others, and it's that place of purpose and meaning and belonging. And so that's kind of how I saw the Bible describing these relational circles. And ultimately, like for, for the person that's a follower of Christ, they want to know that they have some place where they're in that center circle, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, I think we all want belonging at some point. You know, we all want to feel like we belong to something. And, and God has kind of opened the doors wide for us. And then, uh, so many of us Christians often leave it there. Like we just say, okay, well, God's done that. But, but then the very last thing Jesus did before he uh, ascended to heaven was say, now it's yours. Mm -hmm. Now it's yours to do this. You go make disciples. And, and really that, that thing about reaching across boundaries is really just the way the Bible talks about making disciples. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's, that's, we make it hard. Like, oh, you've got to learn this. You've got to do this. You've got to you know, go to church so many times. But really, Jesus' way of making disciples is like, hey, Peter, follow me. Mm -hmm. Hey, John, follow me, right? It was just mm -hmm. hang out with me. And, and that's how he discipled those people. Okay, so that, that has my brain, you know, like, like kind of like flip the switch a little bit because we often think of discipleship as what I've learned. It's a, it's a, it's a knowledge-based thing almost, which yeah. there's certainly a part to that, right? Yeah. But you're kind of proposing discipleship is as much a relational thing as it is a knowledge thing. Yeah. I, I, I think like the, the relational side almost like is the, the lubricant for the, for, the, for the mental side. Like it gives it something to use. And, and um, you know, I think about like even that story I used in the sermon about Rahab. Yeah. You know, that, that woman that had, uh, you know, a difficult past, yeah. even a difficult present, apparently. Yeah. And so, you know, it was a challenging person. Um, in, in, if you read it in Joshua chapter 2, she, uh, when the, she was interfacing with those spies that Joshua sent, you know, um, she could have turned them in, but she decided not to. And the reason, I think, was, and, and if you read this, it's great, she, she recounted everything that had happened to Israel. Mm. How did she know that? You know, mm -hmm. she wasn't there. 
She didn't, you know, but she had heard about it. She had heard the stories mm. and something sparked inside of her mm -hmm. that said, I don't have anything here and I know what's happened to you is about to happen here. Mm. I want to be a part of that. And so that was the, that was the, the that thing that sparked and that, that, then they had that relationship yeah. and then she came into the family and you know, as you know, she ended up being in Jesus line, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. which is really cool. She's a great, great something grandma. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So that, that concept, Pastor Matt, of discipleship is as much relational as it is knowledge. Is that, is that something that you've seen in your experience with students? Yeah, I would, I'd say for sure. I mean, I think we could, we could go to a spot where we just, we discriminate in the sense of deciding, oh, they're in a place where they need to be discipled, where maybe mm -hmm. these people aren't in a place where they, and so we kind of go through this thing of like, well, maybe they're not ready or maybe, and I think you're right, like just having that conversation and just giving them the opportunity to say no, I think is, is a big thing. And what's interesting, and, and you're the scholar on church history and in the Jewish times, but my understanding is that if they were fishing, that means they were already rejected as not being smart mm -hmm. enough. Because my understanding is Jewish men were like put in school to learn the Bible and they had to take uh, tests at certain times throughout their career. If they failed the test, they're like, hey, uh, you could be a scribe, but you're not mm -hmm. smart enough. So you go back and do the, the job that your family does. You know, so they were in some way already rejected by the Christian society at the time. And, and Jesus just said, hey, here's your opportunity. You know, do you want to take it? You want to be fishers of men? You know, the church, the established church has rejected you, but I think I have something for you. And, and I think in some ways when maybe an adult looks at a student, they might think, well, what do I, you know, how do I relate to them? I think that maybe that's a boundary too. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. what if they think I'm oh, weird? Sure. You know. On the other side, it's like, well, this kid, you know, still has snot in his nose and, you know, he's a middle schooler who smells bad. Like, how is he going to be a disciple of Jesus? And honestly, a lot of students just need someone to say, you know, hey, like, I can help you follow Jesus as I'm following Jesus. And that's, that's the relational side is huge of um, discipleship. And that's what I love about our adults that give up the time to be at our services yeah. and different leaders we have is, like, they'll come back to me and say, hey, thanks for letting me be a leader of students because of how much they invest in my life. I feel like I'm giving nothing to them mm -hmm. and benefiting it uh, from it. But each of those students benefit from having someone who's ahead of them. Mm -hmm. And that can be an age thing, but a lot of times just spiritual maturity. Like, hey, I'm here in my spiritual maturity. You're here. Let me take you to where I am as I follow Christ, you know, and it's a cool thing. So, so I'd, I'd be curious, like, to hear about a time maybe when you, you, know, you, you took this idea of, of how to get unstuck by, by reaching across those relational boundaries. Can, can you share a time when maybe you felt stuck and then someone reached out to you and helped you move forward? Yeah, I mean, I think probably up to around my sophomore year of high school, I would say I, I attended church, I was kind of a Christian, but I, I would say I was stuck. I didn't really know what it meant, um, didn't really know what I was supposed to do. And I think there's two sides to this. So at that point, like really felt like I should step out and start serving. And so at the times we had something called hit teams, which is high impact teams, teams, which never made sense to me, <laughs> but whatever, I'm, I'm not judging him for it. Um, so I signed up for that. And then after I signed up for that, my youth pastor at the time, uh, Greg Ford, then saw my name on the list and said, you know, uh, came up to me and I still remember in the atrium, he walked up to me and he was like three times my size. Now he's about two <laughs> times my size, but he was like three times my size at the time. It's like, hey, I think you should preach. 
And I was just so scared to say no that I said yes. Because I was like, well, I signed up, you know. Um, and, and so on one side, it was me saying, I'm just going to sign up and see what God does with this. And on the other side, someone came up to me and said, hey, I see something in you. You should take a risk. And whether, you know, I'm not going to act like I was a great person. It was fear. I was like, I just don't want to say no to him. So I'm going to say yes. And I'm so glad because it's led me down this path. But I would say, that, yeah, that sophomore year, I was, I was really stuck in my faith. Like, how does this work for me? Like, my parents raised me in the church. How does this work for me? And though, I think those two things clearly stand out to me as moments where help me get unstuck. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really good. That's awesome. Yeah, I shared that story, you know, when I first moved up to Northwest Ohio. And uh, that, that fellow named Earl, yeah. that was like the Marine drill sergeant that I was, too, I was too afraid to say no to as well. And then I, then I knew I had to show up or I'd see Earl again and, and I'd have to explain myself. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't want to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just those moments, I think, that, um, that so often are easy to pass by. Mm -hmm. That, you know, like Earl, for whatever reason, he, he noticed that I was there. Like, it's, you know, I, I wasn't like... Certainly, that's my, I'm not flashy, that's not my persona, right? And so I, I was easy for me to slip in and out. But Earl noticed that. Earl took that risk to, to just mm -hmm. reach out, right? And um, it, it's so easy when we think about it. You know, in hindsight, you look backward and you go, oh, that was great, yeah, Earl, that was great, Earl. Um, no brainer. Well, it wasn't at the time. Mm -hmm. Earl didn't know me. He didn't know if I would say, oh, get away from me or anything. He didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And he didn't know if it would work out. He didn't know how important it would be for me. And that's the way like when Bar uh, Ananias mm -hmm. reached out to Saul, right? He was like, I don't want to reach out to Saul. This guy is here to arrest me. You're sending me to my own death, basically. Mm -hmm. And he, but he didn't know the plans that God had for Paul. He didn't know that. And so, so often we, we look back on it and we say, oh, it was a no-brainer. It it's not a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times those things are just God putting someone on your heart. Like if you notice somebody, if God brings somebody to your, mm -hmm. to your mind, that's the Holy Spirit's way of nudging you in that direction. And then I think it's, it's just as simple as picking up the phone, dropping an email, a text, mm -hmm. and just say, hey, let's go hang out. What do you think? Now, here's the other thing. I'm sorry. This is another thing Don't that, be that, sorry. Uh, that uh, I think we also are very risk averse. Mm. So I think what, what we, we, we've trained ourselves that everything has to be a win. Everything has to be a success. And if we do discipleship right, especially in this relationship area, we're going to reach out to people that don't work out. I think of the, the rich young ruler that Jesus reached out to, right? The, the young ruler came to him and said, I've done this, 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 and this. What more must I do? Now, he wanted, probably wanted affirmation. Mm -hmm. Hey, you're a great guy. You've done well. What he got was a question that he wasn't prepared for. And, and I think Jesus would have been overjoyed if this rich young ruler would have said, okay, I'm going to do it and, and done it. I think he would have been so happy. But what happened was the rich young ruler said, yeah, that's too much. And it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. But Jesus still took the risk. And I think that's where so often we talk ourselves out of those Ananias moments with Saul or the Barnabas moments with Saul or the Jesus moments with that rich young ruler when it could be just talking to your neighbor across the fence. You know, you've seen that person for how many, how many months or years and and you just wave 
Well, that next step is just walk over to the fence and say, hi, I'm Chris, mm -hmm. and introduce yourself. You never know where that will lead. And we talk ourselves out of it because we're so risk adverse. And, and my encouragement is take the risk. Mm -hmm. Take the risk. You don't know that there's not another Saul mm -hmm. somewhere or some, some person that God wants to use in a, in a big way. Well, and that lines up to where we were a couple weeks ago. Uh, we talked about the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? Yeah. And we talked about it in yeah. the context of how to not be afraid. The Spirit comes alongside of us, but the Spirit comes alongside of us. That means that the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is living life with us. And I think there's times when he whispers those things. Like you said, if somebody comes to mind, I don't know how many times in my life, you know, I thought, man, I don't know why, but Matthew 4 just came to my mind. Like, that's, that's not, like, random. Like, yeah. I think there, you know, you could take that too far. You could get weird. But, like, mm -hmm. but we, were, we were playing uh, a board game with some family recently. And at one point, my, my daughter goes, hey, did you see that over there? And her point was, don't miss that, because if you don't block that other player's move, they're going to win but you're the only person who can do it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, that. I would have been foolish not to have listened to her whisper, even though it was cheating. But that, <laughs> so that's where this analogy falls apart, right? You know, like, like you know, and he still won. But, um, but, but the, the point was, I would have been foolish not to have listened to that whisper. So when the Holy Spirit does, you know, prompt us with that, because I, I, that was, you know, one of my next questions was, what are some practical ways that you reach across relational boundaries? And I, I think the first step that is being willing to take some of those risks. I, I mean, I was picking up some uh, carryout the other day, you know, and, and it was a place where you had to drive up and you let them know they're there. And the guy comes out and he hands me the food. And as he's walking away, I just felt this in my gut, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll probably never see this guy again. But I just went, what are you going to do with that voice? Like he had the best like radio, TV, personality yeah. type voice, you know. <laughs> And, and it was funny because after it came out of my mouth, I was like, well, that's the rudest question. I just, I go, I go, what are you going to do with that voice? He turns and looks at me and he goes, man, I'm trying. And he starts oh. telling me about, um, I had this job offer, but I lost it because of Corona. And now I'm just, I'm doing my best and I'm just trying to hang in there. And I thought, man, I had this moment. I'm out of town. I had this moment to speak a word of affirmation to this guy that I don't know if I'll ever see him again. And I don't know, he might've walked in and said to the guy in the kitchen, fourth guy today to ask me about my voice. <laughs> or he might've said, hey, that was, that was just a little nudge mm -hmm. that I needed, you know? And um, so you just, you don't know, right? Don't and know. so, but you, you have to kind of take those steps. What are some practical ways that we can reach across those boundaries? Yeah, for sure. I think we actually, we often just say the no for that person, mm -hmm. like because mm -hmm. we don't respond or we don't say, and, and I think on the other hand, like sometimes we feel the promptings, then sometimes we should just say something and God gives us what to say. I think the scripture says that, like, God, I'll give you the words to say. You take that step of faith, I'll give you the words to say. And I think that's some of the, the barriers that we put up on our own is just to say, well, well, no, this is going to be weird. Or, you know, I shouldn't say this. Or like you even said, maybe that is the fourth person, mm -hmm. you know. On, but on the other side of that is what if he needed to hear that over and over again as confirmation for him that he's doing the right thing. Like, we don't know how God works. We just know that he wants to use us as his vessel to work through. So, um, yeah, but I, I think, yeah, that friendliness is the, is the beginning of opening the doors. And then the next thing is you got to say something, you know, you have to step out. And then you, oftentimes I've found when I actually say something to someone, they've been wanting to talk to me, mm -hmm. to somebody, and they've just been waiting for someone to, to reach across that barrier or that boundary or whatever you want to call it. Like, and they probably are feeling just as uncomfortable, if not more uncomfortable than you are. 
And oftentimes those are the best conversations to have when, you know, and next thing you know, you're talking for 20 minutes and you do you're like, right. or they're talking for 20 minutes. You're just like smiling and nodding, you know? So as, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the fact and for the viewer at home who would not know this, like you're a, you're a guru of per, studying personalities, right? Personality yeah, yeah, tests and understanding the way yeah, people yeah. are wired and that kind of thing. So there is like this tension that I've always felt and especially when we talk about spiritual gifts, right? Mm -hmm. Like some people will go, hey, I'm not gifted for evangelism or I'm not gifted for encouragement. And yet the Bible still says there are these gifts and yet um, we are to be encouragers no matter what our spiritual giftings. We are to share our faith kind of no matter mm -hmm. what our spiritual giftings. How, what's, what's the balance there between, you know, because some of what even you were just saying about friendliness in a conversation, I, I could see... You know, even at times me watching this and going, hey, that's not my personality. Like, that's, mm -hmm. that's not how I'm wired. How, how can I be, be faithful to help, help pull people in to, to relationship and still be true to who God made me to be? Does that, does that question yeah. make sense? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, God gifts certain people to be especially gifted hmm. in certain areas. You know, um, you know I'll take, uh, here's an example. Cindy... My wife is just one of the, um, she, she is the most, um, the best example for me on how you can serve people with this, mm. with this pure heart. Um, no doubt. She, she, uh, she has this heart that she's she just, you know, just like gravitationally pulled to help people with such a pure heart. <clears throat> I'm a nice guy, but I'm not gifted like that. Like, I can walk right past somebody that she somehow sees into their heart, and she goes, let's stop here, or let's talk with that person. I'm, I'm the guy in the car saying, no, no, we're not going to stop. But she's the person that does it. So, now, that doesn't mean I can't, I shouldn't talk to people, but she makes me better at that. And so I think people that are gifted in those different areas are people I can learn from that help round out the rough corners on my life. And likewise, there's things that maybe I do better than, than she might do. I don't know what those would be, but there might be some. <laughs> and, and I can help her or other people. So I, think, I don't think it's a free pass to say I'm not gifted or I don't have that gift. That's, that's not a free pass. Uh, but I do think God's created us with a certain makeup. And so some of us are more comfortable with other mm -hmm. things. And, uh, and so I think what, what it's, what, you know, we make evangelism in particular this, this monster, you know, mm -hmm. like, well, as soon as you meet somebody, you need to walk them through the five spiritual laws mm -hmm. and, you know, and I have to have that memorized, by the way, you know, that kind of thing. When really you look at what happened in the Bible, most of the time, it's people just hanging out together mm -hmm. and they just watch how people live and pretty soon they come to that relationship and you don't really have to preach a sermon other than live in front of them. And so we, we make it uh, to be very difficult sometimes to share your faith when in reality, it's really share your life because your faith is in your life. Mm -hmm. You're just sharing your life. Just like you'd hang out with a friend, you're just hanging out with people. And um, some of us are more introverted, some of us are more extroverted. So maybe your group is smaller, maybe your group mm -hmm. is bigger, but, but it's just a matter of being friendly and. And, and just reaching out when you can, talk when you can, share your life when, when you can, and, and let God use that as opposed to being, you know, try to make yourself something that you're not, because that shines through too. 
when people think you're fake, that uh, in today's world, if you're not authentic, it, gets it shuts right the away. door. Yeah, especially with students, like they, yeah. they'll just look right through that. Like if you even try to do something that they know is not you, <laughs> they'll just they'll call it out. But I, I, I agree with you. I think some people, like if they have a simple understanding of their personality, will use that as an excuse. Like, oh, I'm introverted, I can't talk to somebody. Or, oh, sorry, you know, I'm, I just have strong opinions so I can be judgmental. You know, whatever <laughs> it is, like they, they but I think, the, the helpfulness of these different personality assessments that gets lost is that you can realize who you are and the effect that you have on the world mm -hmm. and the people around you. Like, I yeah. think that's when personality assessments tends to be the most beneficial, not like to give you an out for an excuse or like, yeah. oh, sorry, you know, I'm just not organized, so I'm never gonna be organized. You know, it's <laughs> like, no, you're not organized, so maybe you should have a calendar. You know, like yeah. There's, yeah. there's those things where we would just use it to, mm -hmm to justify our own sins instead of to make, and I mean, people do that with the Bible, right? They look at the God's word and they're like, hmm, that one, yeah, that's not for me, that's for my friend, but you know, like, like these sins are them, you know, not me, but when we really use God's word as a mirror, it actually, uh, you know, the purpose of the law is to expose our sin, right? And so then we can understand how much we need a savior. And I think, you know, when it comes to personality, tying that together, like when it comes to personality, like seeing yourself in a mirror more clear, clearly of design says, okay, this is where I can excel. And this is where I need to be aware of my effect on other people. And, and honestly, yeah, like just connecting with people, just being you is what they want to see anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and, and something else that I think brings, and I don't know where this is coming from, but like something else that brings insecurity, and I, maybe I'll speak from my own personal life, but when my spiritual life is not in order, I tend to be more retracted from mm. wanting to talk to people, mm. you know, but That's when my spiritual yeah. life is in order, I'm like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm following Christ the best I can. I can start to see the fruit in my own life. Mm. Then I don't have to feel like, oh, I gotta, you know, I have to have the 16 fundamental truths all figured out. I have to know all of these things. You just say who I am and becoming is enough an example for other people. And I think, you know, that's why the that's Bible good. uses the, the tree and the fruit is like the spirit growing in your life and the, the, the seed of the gospel growing in your life inevitably brings fruit that people want to be around. You know, like people want to be around those who are joyful and peaceful. And I think we thrive, we, we reach out for the fruit without allowing the seed to grow in our own lives. And I, I think for me, it, it takes the pressure off of me to say, well, I have to be this and this. And just like, hey, I can just follow Christ and people will see that and they'll be attracted to that, you know. That's um, good. And, and I think you've really hit on something. And I, I was looking to see how Paul said it to Timothy, like, my spiritual development is often, um, when, when I'm having relational issues, it usually has something to do with my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. But if I will choose to help others with their spiritual life, it usually helps mine as well. Yeah. You know, Paul says totally to Timothy, um, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, you entrust them to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And, you know, he, he says the same thing kind of later, he, he talks to them, he says, keep reminding God's people of these things, like warn them, you know, like, and his, his point is, like the things that you know, keep it out there in front of people, because not only do they need that and, and should it reproduce, yeah. but it's good for you. Like, yeah. like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm more spiritually aware when I'm responsible for somebody else, you know, and mm -hmm. so yeah, that's really that's, good. That's really good. Um, you know, I think uh, I, uh, I spoke about people that sometimes when you help people, get unstuck themselves, you get unstuck while you're doing yes, that, yeah, right? That's the yeah, same principle really you just good. talked about. Yeah. And I think, I think about like Ananias in Acts 9, right? He, if, he if we could just hit the pause button right after he, he gets that vision from God, right? 
And his first response to God, which I quite honestly understand fully, was, uh-uh, yeah. I ain't doing this, <laughs> yeah. right? No way. If, if we hit the pause there, and, and now, now Ananias has this like, fork in the road, you know, he can go one way or the other. And I just wonder, like, he, he would have clearly been stuck in his walk with the Lord if he would have said, you know, God, I think somebody else might be a better choice because this guy is not the guy I want to talk to. I'm afraid. I'm too afraid. I think his faith would have been kind of stuck right there. And we know Saul might have been stuck. I'm sure God would have sent someone else. But it, it, because Ananias was willing to jump across that boundary and reach out to Saul, he became unstuck mm -hmm. at the same time. Yeah. He may not have realized it, but he did. And, and so you end up seeing this effect and you see it over and over again where, where when we reach out to someone else who might be in a place that maybe is stuck, that we ourselves grow to a different level, even if we don't think of ourselves as stuck. You know, I think like even those spies, they were stuck in a way. Mm -hmm. They were in a bad spot in, in, in Joshua chapter two. They could have easily lost their lives. And, um, you know, they, they reached out to Rahab. Rahab reached across to them and they were able to fulfill God's mission for their life. So they went to a different level and Rahab and her family got saved. So, I mean, that whole dynamic is in the Bible all over the place. Mm -hmm. And man, if we can grasp that, we grow, we help other people grow. That's, that's the definition of a win-win. And those steps aren't just like just for them or just for you. There's a ripple effect yeah, that's um, so true. You know, that happens. I, I'd, I'd love to hear just from both of you maybe like one last kind of thought that's maybe bounce around in your heads on these subjects. But, but before we do, I think it's good for the church to know this isn't just a message that you just kind of woke up one, one morning and said, I think I'll preach on relational boundaries. Like, like <laughs> this is something... Um, I don't know that people know, but Pastor Chris is uh, for the last what two years? Three, I guess. Yeah, yeah. who's counting? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, been in so the long. midst of. Yeah, it has been, hasn't it? Been in the midst of a uh, a doctoral program at the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. And tell us, like, wh where did this concept? Like, we've just seen a sliver sure, sure. of of what you've been um, <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears through. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, it's been fun. Yeah, it's been a great program. Um, yeah, this, this kind of comes from because um, uh, kind of birthed out of a thought that um, the, the whole story of the Bible, the main thread that runs through the Bible is God reaching out to us, mm -hmm. right? We start, we start at the beginning and um, the very first thing people do is we fall away from God and God spends the entire rest of the book showing how he's reaching out to us and pulling us towards himself. And and I just feel like that one of the main functions of church and Calvary Church in particular is to be that church that reaches out like that and helps uh, come alongside God's mission and do that. And, you know, churches use fancy terms like assimilation and stuff like that. But really all that is is just welcoming people who, who are maybe new to the, to the church or need to find a relationship with the Lord. And it's just making them feel like they're part of the family. That's what really that is. And so my whole work has been, how do we, how do we help Calvary Church be that place where it's in our DNA that we, you know, my, my dad used to say that some people have never met a stranger. I want us to be like that, where, where we see somebody we don't know, they're not a stranger anymore. We, we've pulled them in. And, and uh, so, yeah, that's where that's where that that um, 
that whole thing kind of came yeah. out of. <laughs> and, and what we got was like a, 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 a blip, like a yeah. snapshot of what will end up being a, a hundreds of pages yeah. uh, work that Pastor Chris is working on. And I think some things we'll hear more about in the future. Yeah, so, yeah, awesome, definitely. Awesome. Pastor Matt, any final thoughts? Yeah, I was just thinking like uh, in both situations with Rahab and Ananias and maybe just even for people in the church to know is like in both of those situations, they were confronted with real fear and real mm -hmm. risk. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it wasn't like, you know, they had to go away from like it wasn't like it went away. It was like they looked it in the eye and they said, I know this is a real thing. And I think that's where faith comes in. It says, despite this real fear risk, I'm going to make the choice to serve God or to take this risk. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we, I don't want people to get the impression that, oh, well, if you become more naive and you don't even feel afraid, then it's fine. It's like, no, you see that. And faith says, I see this fear and this risk and I choose faith. And um, yeah, in all those situations, like that's why they're in the Bible. I don't know. I don't want to speculate, but who, what people aren't in the Bible because they saw fear and risk and they just walked away, mm -hmm. you know? And, and it's like, yeah, that's, that's what that's true good. faith comes yeah, in. I and I just want to encourage people in church, like you're not going to feel less afraid. You're not no. going to feel like there's less risk. It's saying, all right, I'm trusting that the God that I serve is the one who will keep me in this situation if I follow him. So it's really good. Yeah, really good. Bouncing around there, we'll see. Pastor <laughs> <laughs> Chris. I love that. No, I think, I think so much of the time we, uh, we, we put uh, fear and faith on opposite spectrum of each other when in fact, like you said, Pastor Matt, I love that thought, is that anything we do that, uh, that's, in my, in my view, is worth doing has risk to it. There's risk of failure. There's risk of not doing it as well as you thought. There's risk of other people rejecting you. There's all kinds of risk involved, but faith looks at that fear and says, in spite of that, what I think God wants to do is greater than that. Yeah. And so you reach past that. And, yeah. and so they're not, they're not either faith or fear. Our faith operates in the face of fear. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that's when you see really big steps in people's lives. You know, maybe it's go to school there's a real chance you could fail, right? If you do it, trust me, there's a real chance you can <laughs> fail. And, and, but you do it anyway, yeah. because you think God's called me to do this, so I'm gonna give it a go. Now, hopefully someday we'll look on the past, we'll look mm -hmm. back and say, yeah, that, was, that, was, that worked out, that was no problem. But at the time, I had to look faith, or mm -hmm. fear in the face and operate in faith. So, so I love that, I love that thought, Pastor. That's really good, really yeah. good. Well, thank you for doing this. Pastor Chris, again, thanks for a great word. If you've not had a chance to see it, you can jump out to our website at ToledoCalvary.org or you can go to our Facebook page, our YouTube channel. I'll just search for Toledo Calvary and uh, catch up on any of our past Sundays, especially um, this last week. Um, and then your message on Jonah, was that about a month ago? Uh, yep. Just another yep. great, Keep great Sunday. We're just spinning the hits. So uh, <laughs> yeah, this is great. So thanks guys for taking the time you to bet. do this. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your week.